the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Fascinating new details out of the January 6th commission, and then an NFL player makes an interesting move. You're listening to The Common Good. Everybody, welcome to the Common Good here on AIM 1160. Hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Happy Thursday. Glad that you're with us here on the Common Good. I hope you're having a great day. Aubrey, how are you today? I am doing wonderfully. I'm starting to think ahead, Brian, to Father's Day. What are we going to do for my hubs? So I got that on my mind right now. And uh, like, is there a special meal involved? Is there a gift involved? Is it just my kids are making cards? So So if I've learned anything about you in our year plus time of doing this, it is that you're going to look for a way to make Father's Day about you. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that feels really harsh. And it's going to be about your birthday. Not accurate. That is inaccurate. I am a gift giver and I love celebrating the people I love. It will not be about me. It will be about my husband. But I got to plan it. I got to plan it. It's big. Now, we're going to be on vacation, so I don't even know what that means for Father's Day. It's oh, like Father's yeah. Day. It's like the vacation is my Father's I'm Day I'm very gift, excited so I'm for you. You're going to the beach, right? We're going to Myrtle Beach. My Ooh. son has a baseball tournament in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, but it's Fun. like more vaca- It's more vacation than, va- than, than baseball tournament. So oh, that's awesome. Right on the beach. I'm sorry, and speaking of vacation, my daughter left this morning, my, my 18-year-old, for uh, the trip we've been paying for for three years through her school to Costa Rica. I was telling you off air. I saw yeah. the uh, I saw the itinerary. It's ridiculous. Well, All the things the my daughter things is going to be doing. Right? Ugh. Oh my goodness! So she is. She. It's a little weird. We've never been away from our eighteen. Wow. Um, we're not. We're not like these overbearing parents. But yeah. nine days is nine days. We've yeah. never been away for this long. It's a long but, time. <laughs> As I said to you, we're getting ready for college, so this is a good, a this good uh, getting used to. Man, yeah, nine up at four thirty this morning. Wow, yeah. I want to go. No doubt, you start to read these things. There, you what we what it makes me realize is we've reached the point now where we don't do fun things; we pay for our kids to do fun things. <laughs> That's such a sad like like season of parenting, but it's so accurate, isn't it? Yeah, there was an age where we were the ones going to Costa Rica. Mom and Dad, can you pay for this trip? And now it's. Wow. Hey, can you pay for it? Yes, I can. And wow. so, no, but because of COVID last year, the trip got postponed a year. So oh, we've literally okay. been paying for this trip okay. since freshman year we signed her up. So it's really okay. fun. That's it's kind of nice then because it's all paid for like ahead and you're not having to worry yes. about that piece of it. That's great. Oh, how yes, fun. I've, I'm so glad. <laughs> literally been paying monthly <laughs> since freshman year this thing. So, wow, she better enjoy this trip. She cut, better so. like this thing. <laughs> It's it, the fun thing was she was so excited. Like she, I've ta- you've gotten to know my daughter. She's yeah, an she's adventurer great. at heart. Mm-hmm. It's what she wants to do. So this is like her first big adventure oh, I'm so without her parents. Her. her best friend is going with her. There's like fun. 17 students. <laughs> you want to hear this? This is yeah. funny. I think it's like 17 students and maybe four teachers or something. Uh, 17 students, two two boys. 
15 girls. <laughs> Those boys are like, yes, this is the best week ever. I was going to say, at first I was like, poor boys. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. No, no, well done, boys. <laughs> yeah, you did it. You did a good job, boys. That well, is, that's kind of crazy, though. It's it, yeah. The ratio is so unbalanced. Yep, yep. wonder why. So two... Two male teachers, two female teachers, okay. 15 girls, two boys. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, good luck, boys. That, that'll either work well for you or not. We're going to yeah, see. Yeah, it could so, go either way. We'll have to hear from Madeline when she gets back how that went. That's right. That's right. Well, hopefully, everybody out there, you've got some summer plans ahead of you, whether it's the 4th of July or coming up. Uh, it is it is vacation time of year. All right, Aubrey, I saw something in the news. I just want to highlight two news stories that I don't have huge points to make about. Okay. Uh, Let's but hear here's it. the one here. When I read this headline today, my first thought was if this headline had happened two years ago, the world would have stopped like it would have led every newscast. There would have been mm. breaking news. Mm. Uh, and that's this. Dr. Fauci has COVID. Fauci! Fauci has COVID. Oh, could you imagine so if... I know people would have lost their minds two years ago. Could you imagine this. if April, May, June of 2020, you, we were all watching his like daily press conferences. Yes. And if they had said, hey, uh, so-and-so stepping in for him because Dr. Fauci has COVID, oh. it would have been like... Oh. oh, it's ending now. The world's done. We I are mean, done. We're all going to get it uh, and die. But everyone would have lost their minds. Like it, it, people would have been like, I think like some people who were not Fauci fans would have been like, see, he, you know, and then yeah. the people who were like in fell in love with him, like he became a whole like, I, like idol would have been like, oh, you're right. It's over. If he gets it's over. COVID, all of us are getting COVID. I mean, it is kind of funny to think about like that would have been major like yes like culture making news and i do feel sad for him i hope he's okay but it's not the heaviness that it would have been a few years ago for yep, sure yep he's as you could guess the article says he's vaccinated yeah. he's boosted he yeah. has mild symptoms okay but it just made me think how much it has changed in COVID. and now you hear someone has COVID, and You're well they like, got COVID. Okay. And I, yeah I know it's still causing serious reactions yeah. in some people, yeah, but but it it's is. just lost its uh, uh, its edge. Was there a time in the very beginning where there were anti-Fauci people? I'm sure there was. I feel like in the beginning, everyone was like, "Just tell me what Fauci said." I think so. <laughs> I think so too. And at some point, he lost trust, and then it became like a whole like anti-Fauci political thing. Which, yeah, which I yeah. I always felt bad for the guy. I'm like, he's literally using the scientific method. He's literally going doing the best he can with the information <laughs> he has. Like again like everybody chill out this is new you don't know more than he knows but i i like great. him so you know great you're gonna get his phone calls and letters now you just went pro fauci on our show <laughs> i'm gonna wear you. a t-shirt i'm a pro fauci i'm a pro, <laughs> pro fauci. fauci girl all right <laughs> I'm gonna the, get fired. the bigger story the bigger story i want to tell you about is i don't know if you've seen this uh the january 6th commission is going on and there here was the story that came out yesterday uh, and and the question I'm going to ask you is I think going to surprise you okay. with this. There was a there is a representative out of Georgia named Barry Loudermilk, uh, where he the, some videos came out of him leading a tour of the Capitol the day before, so on January 5th, and it was looked sketchy, like people mm. were taking weird pictures. It almost looked yeah. like a reconnaissance mission. Yeah. Now. Yeah. The the investigators have come out and, and cleared him. They've said it's not, but there are a okay. lot of people going, eh, it looks a little odd. A little one sus. of the people taking pictures is one of the main people who shot video storming the Capitol and this and that. Here's uh, – every now and then you and I say we're a little too Pollyanna. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Loudermilk originally said, I categorically did not give anybody a tour. And then they Uh-oh. said, oh, really? Here's the video. And then it start the story changed. The story changed. You and I talk about a lot about the character of our leaders. Mm-hmm. I don't. All right, again, to Pollyanna, I bothers me so much when people in charge and people with power lie. Yeah, like I just want to be like, say, say you did a tour and you were just showing this family the place or whatever else. A, it makes you look really guilty. But yeah, I think our culture. Uh, does not value truth at all. I think we lie and lie and lie because our politicians lie, our pastors lie, everybody lies. And when I read that story, I was like, man, I think as I get older, lying makes me really angry. (laughs) Well, it's so so ridiculous. Like, I guess I understand he doesn't want to make himself look guilty, but just say, yeah, I did a tour. I did, I mean, I don't know if he did or didn't know who he was giving the tour to, but like, I did the tour. I had no idea that the next day an insurrection was going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but you're right. It makes him look like a fool now that he lied about just like blatantly doing the tour. Perhaps he quote unquote forgot. I don't know. But I, it, I know, Brian, I just feel like it just seems like integrity, which includes being a truth teller. Meaning, like, just not lying, not covering yourself up. I, it, it's not valued anymore at all. And unfortunately, yeah. you just kind of you almost roll your eyes, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. Here's another, here's another uh, national leader who uh, is a liar. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just getting like it's you crazy. just become cynical, right? You do, which which I think makes the point. I've been telling you, I've been preaching through the book of First Peter, mm. and First Peter two eleven and twelve tells Christians live such good lives yeah. that uh, amongst the pagans that they, even though they accuse you of things, they go, "Wow, look at his good life." First yep. Peter three, he basically says the same thing: uh, those who slander you will be ashamed by because of your good life. Like the really low bar here, Christian, if you're out there listening, the really low bar is don't be a liar. Yeah. Be a truth teller. Mm. Like if we as Christians had the reputation um, uh, at at least of being people who tell the truth yeah. and value the truth, yeah. we would look so different than the people around us. But I, even the church, I think we fail at that. So anyway, Fauci's <sighs> Fauci's got COVID and uh, representative representatives are lying. That's where we are at uh, today. This is All not right. the most important point, Brian. And I know you're wrapping up here, but louder milk is quite a last name. It really is a good name, isn't Just had it? Just to say it. Yep. It's a good name. <laughs> oh, what do you put in your breakfast cereal every morning? Louder milk. Not regular milk. Louder milk. <laughs> it's, it's supercharged with caffeine and vitamins. Louder milk. <laughs> oh, it's going to be one of those days, yeah, people. Yeah, it is. Aubrey, a great time to listen to the podcast of The Common Good, Mowing Your Lawn. Oh, Mowing Your Lawn. The headphones on. You, this is your, when would you suggest when would you suggest somebody listen to the I podcast would suggest while walking on the treadmill you put it in and you listen and it you just like it is it makes you escape so you can like walk or you can jog as long as you want to because you're so entertained by us and you're learning so you much from tread, us are you a treadmill walker i am a treadmill walker and jogger yes Yes, yes, yes. Even like this time of year when yeah. it's beautiful outside? Yes, because I um, am not outdoorsy, number one. Number two, the only way I jog or walk is if I'm distracted. 
and I need to be watching TV or listening to something. And it's just a little bit easier to do that on a treadmill. So I prefer, and it's beautiful outside, Brian, but it's also 108 degrees outside. I don't want to run in that. (laughs) Like that's not enjoyable to me. Here's actually, this is the honest truth. I go for a walk outside to warm up because I do like the sunshine, the vitamin D, and then I go inside and go on my treadmill. That's what I do every day. It's uh, the the oppressive heat's a valid point. Yeah. I would would say that's, when I call it beautiful, that that might have been. It's not that beautiful. I feel like that's a little bit yeah a little bit of an exaggeration it was i told you we had to take our daughter to school today for to leave for her trip at like five in the morning yeah and i took the dogs outside thinking like anytime you're up at like 4 30 or 5 when it's dark out you're like all right it's gonna be cold outside right i walked out and it was oppressive hot already <laughs> that and early? I was like, oh no that's not good that's not good yes, at all yes, oh so yeah it's anyway. bad all right so a fascinating story this is uh i i will warn you it's tangentially sports related it's okay. not a sports story okay uh, but sometimes you're uncomfortable even when we talk about anything. No, I'm not uncomfortable. I just related. have a lot to learn. You, I'm just learning, so I'm not uncomfortable. I, it's an invitation there's a sport for me. Called, there's a sport called football, okay? <laughs> okay, okay, good. That sounds interesting. All right. So let me tell you about a football player for the Indianapolis Colts, a safety by the name of uh, K-H-A-R-I. I'm going with Kari Willis. Okay. Uh, he is 26 years old, right in his prime, Third three years he's played safety for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, he has started on and off, so he's a player. Like he plays. He's we're not talking like a practice squad yeah. guy or anything. Uh, he announced on Instagram yesterday that he is retiring, and you're like, "Wow, three years in!" So you're thinking maybe he's retiring because of injury or fear of injury uh-huh. or anything else. Well, he announced his retirement on Instagram. He thanked the Colts for quote granting me the opportunity to compete. And he explained this, that with much prayer and deliberation that he wanted to devote the rest of his life, quote, to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Uh, the coach, uh, who is also a believer, praised Willis in a statement released by the team. He said, we're thankful for his contributions on and off the field. His character, leadership, and professionalism will be missed in our locker room. I admire and respect his decision to transition into the next hmm. stage of his life and ministry, and my prayers will always be with him. Wow. So I, I, I thought of a couple things when I saw this on Twitter yesterday, Aubrey. The first of all is... Wow, this guy's been playing football his whole life to yeah. get to the NFL. Yeah. He's three years in, yeah. and he is prioritizing the advancement of the gospel. So I want to start there, just the impressive nature of this, of like, nope, my life has a mission. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I want to devote my life to it. That's really an impressive move there, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, he really is giving up the quote-unquote world, like worldly success, which, I mean, this is a level of success that, you know, so few people achieve um, in order to go, it sounds like, into full-time ministry of some kind anyway. And so I I think that is, uh, it's wildly wildly impressive and sacrificial and I imagine was not a an easy decision right um especially you know because he is in a sense I mean I you know I we've talked about I don't know sports but 26 sounds young to me even as a football player it is yeah yeah I would say that's right at the beginning of your prime probably 26 to 28 29 so he's right in his prime playing wise money wise all of this stuff um 
So let me ask the one kind of, it's not a negative question, but the one thing that did come to mind was, doesn't the platform of the NFL mm. give you more of a yeah. of a uh, ability to further the advancement of the gospel? Like, I don't think you and I have ever gotten up and preached messages to our people, quit your job right. so that you can more. So is there anything, is there any hesitation here in your mind when you read a story like this? Yeah, I mean, that was actually one of the first things that I thought is I'm not sure why there has to be a... Um, such a discrepancy delineation division between like ministry and uh, any other career. And I think sometimes that's, and I I don't know his story. I don't know how God is calling him. I don't know the opportunities are in front of him. So I'm not, I'm not judging Kari Willis. That said, I do think we make too much of a like line in the sand between ministry and like anything outside of like church work and assume Mm -hmm. that like ministry is where you do gospel work. Like the church is where you do gospel work, but all of us are called vocationally wherever God has planted us to do ministry, to make disciples. And in fact, I do think that the, like you said, the platform of the NFL, like I'm not sure I can think of a greater place where you could have an impact for Jesus and advance the gospel like that. There's so much influence there both relationally and just the people looking to you. And so I, again, I don't know the opportunity that he's been invited into or what have you. Um, But I'm, I mean, it's even sounds like with this quote that you read at the end, like people were seeing Jesus in him, his character, his leadership, his professionalism, and even the way that he, you know, played. And so I, you know, it sounds like he already was making advancing the gospel through his position. And so I, you know, I, it, there's a little sadness cause Oh, okay. There's one less Christian now in the NFL, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what, uh, I wonder what your friend Derwin Gray would say. I to was this, thinking about Derwin years. the whole time. I'm like, I wonder if Derwin's had any influence in this. That's Derwin's team. He yeah. played for the Indianapolis yeah, Colts. I'm guessing and so, some conversations took place. So, but the overarching thing here is, Really impressive that this guy is prioritizing mission. He's prioritizing the gospel. Absolutely, yeah. So what's our talk? What is our, um, what do we think about, what does it mean for you to live on mission? So what would you say to people out there? They're a plumber. They're a teacher. They're a stay-at-home parent. They're a businessman or woman. They're a banker. What does it look like in your job to live like he's talking about for the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about the scripture that you keep talking about as you're preaching through first Peter, like live your life in such a way that um, people won't uh, like, they might disagree with the fact that you follow Jesus, but they're not going to have anything to say against you because your life Mm -hmm. is so filled with, you know, integrity and, and such a good reputation. And then I think about other scripture, like do everything you do as unto the Lord. Like I, mm. I think it's the way, whatever you're doing, you know, being a teacher, being a plumber, being a writer, whatever it is like that you're doing it with excellence, that you're doing it with kindness, empathy, compassion to the people around you, that you're loving, um, loving those around you. I don't think it necessarily means you even have to wear like a Christian t-shirt, but mm-hmm. that you're, your life speaks of Jesus and you build relationships that are authentic and meaningful. And when there's an opportunity to talk about your faith, you talk about it, you know, in a way that's like loving and winsome and kind. Um, 
And I, I mean, I, I think that is very biblical to have a vocational call where God has called you into any number of fields to be his witness, to bear witness to his gospel there, both in your actions and in your words. And I think just to see your vocation as, you know, we, we in our church have used the phrase everyday missionaries. Like I'm a missionary to where I live, work and play. That's it. And, uh, so this guy feels like he needs to get out. He probably has some opportunities and stuff. Wonderful. But, uh, each of us is a missionary to where we are called and we need to remember that. So that's good. Uh, an inspiring story from Kari Willis there leaving the NFL to go into ministry. Aubrey, sometimes we do heavy stories. We've done them today already. Sometimes we just like to laugh and other times I just want to quiz you about things that you think you know a lot about. And one of those things I think you think you know a lot about and you do know a lot about is the Bible. Oh, another thing. Would you say would you say that you're a Star Wars fan like you know Star Wars? So I'm a fan in the way that like Star Wars is awesome. I have affection, but I'm not like I mean there are like Star Wars people who like know character names and like know like Star Wars deep cuts. I I don't know yeah. a lot beyond sort of like the main the main cast. So okay. this will be I think I think uh this one's going to be a fun one it sounds like cuz I I might be stumped. So here we go. The game today is Star Wars or Bible. I'm going to read to you uh, a sentence. You're going to say that's from Star Wars or that's from God's word. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Here we go. Number one, army or not, you must realize you are doomed. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go Bible. That was Star Wars. Oh, All right. Okay. Next one. Uh, too long have I lived among those who hate peace. Bible. That is correct. Here we go. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Bible. Correct. Phew. I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. Bible. Correct. You overthought that one. You were, well, you were I'm thinking. like, okay, I know Jesus said that, but also, is that in? And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's Indiana Jones. There's the temple. That is correct. Uh, here we go. Next one. I fear something terrible has happened. Star Wars? That is correct. And where does darkness reside? Question mark. Bible. Yes, I think most people thought that that was Star Wars. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Oh, man, this could be a proverb or Star Wars. I'll go Star Wars. Incorrect. That is Bible. Oh, oh, man, man. Your eyes can deceive you. Do not trust them. Star Wars. That is correct. Oh, this is a very famous one. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Bible. No, that's Star Wars. Yep, Star Wars. Uh, I thought thought Jesus was saying that to the disciples on the the boat. Darth Vader. On the boat. (laughs) Darth Vader. Okay, okay. Jesus or Darth Vader. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Bible. Correct. (sighs) It's Paul, right? If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. Bible. 
Correct. Who is the more foolish, the fool or Star the Wars, fool Star who Wars. follows That's him? That's Obi-Wan. That's Obi-Wan. <laughs> I know that one. <laughs> do or do not, there is no Yoda. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Fear is the path to the dark side. Star Wars. Okay, hold on one second. Fear is the path to the dark side. Is the Bible. What? Oh, wait, I'm wrong on that one. Fear is the path to the dark side is, in fact, Star Wars. Phew. That worried you that the that word did. dark side like, would even be in the Bible. The word dark side is in the Bible? Okay, that makes me feel a little <laughs> yes. better. Okay, okay. Here we Next go. Next one. Well done, my good and faithful apprentice. <laughs> apprentice? Now they're just trying to trick us. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say that's a strange version of well done, my good and faithful servant. So I'm gonna go Bible. You are incorrect. It's Star, that Wars. Is Star Wars. Dang. Yes, well okay, done, my okay. good and faithful apprentice. Wow, that apprentice. was a tricky one. That that was a good that was good on the quizzers part. Well done. Next one. Are you an angel? I'm guessing this one's could be both but uh, i'm going star are wars you an angel? i'm going star wars that is star yeah, wars yeah that's anakin yes, yes, yes. as that of amidala now fulfill your destiny and take your father's place at my side <laughs> oh no uh let's go star wars correct that was close thing for a minute there i had to think next one does he promise and not fulfill Bible. You started to say Star Wars, but it is the Bible. I'll be honest. I started to go God. Oh, Bible, I mean. (laughs) Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Star Wars. Bible. Ah. Bible. (laughs) All right. If only we knew the power of your anger. Star Wars. It's the Bible. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is a good one. This is one's good. I like this one. It's tricky. Army. Oh wait, we did this one already. Nope, that's the end of the okay, quiz. You did, did not do very well. I, you got like fifty percent. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I did very well at all. So here's my question. I found this fascinating as we did it. So many of those are so close. They're so similar. I, that's why I thought, wow, those quizzers are very well done. Or Star Wars read the Bible. George Lucas read the Bible. So that's let's let's deep let's dive deeply into this <laughs> after after doing just a ludicrous quiz. Yeah, yeah. The ties of our favorite movie, fictional movies, especially scientific uh, uh, science fiction ones uh-huh. like Star Wars, yeah. Marvel movies. Right. We did this quiz before. Right. Other ones, they have such biblical imagery, don't they? Isn't it? wild how just like the epic nature of stories is i mean this is why i think c.s lewis and tolkien talked about how like the great myths in our culture are based on the true capital myth which is like the overarching story of death to resurrection and and i do think that's why we find some of these themes in these like epic movies that we love or epic books that we love because they are rooted in the like capital m myth that's inside of all of us which is that mm-hmm. story of death to life right which we know is true from scripture so i think it is fascinating you can find ties to the gospel in a lot of these these artifacts in our culture yeah and i think that's why we don't need to be afraid of <clears throat> pop culture and movies. Now yeah. we need to put up 
uh, you know, we need to be careful every now and then. We need to be careful what we're putting our minds. But man, sometimes the doorway into your kids, sometimes Mm -hmm. the doorway into your church in speaking gospel truths can in fact be through things like Star Wars, through things like, you know, obviously things like Lord of the Rings or Narnia, but things like Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. um, There's actually ways to use that in order to connect contextually and share the gospel with people. Absolutely. I think movies are actually, I think there are a lot of cultural artifacts like this, but movies especially are such a beautiful way into the gospel, like to have gospel conversations with people, even preaching, because there's always some type of theme you can pull out. And like you said, that doesn't mean you just take in everything without discernment, but Knowing that at the heart of a lot of these stories is a connection to the gospel, whether or not people realize it, I actually think it's also sort of like uh, a quote unquote proof for the gospel as well, because Mm. it's like in us as human beings to find Uh, and connect to these types of stories. Oh, fascinating. I I think that's right. I think it's not coincidental, uh, as you're saying. Uh, so anyway, all that we learned is also that Aubrey is better at Marvel wow. than she yeah. is at Star That's Wars. That's not shocking, but I'm a little, I'm a little surprised at my lack of Bible Star Wars knowledge. I, so sorry. I like sorry, God. Fi- I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go searching for a quiz like, uh, Bible or Happy Gilmore or, uh, or, uh, Adam Sandler. Okay. I'm going to give that to like you. That. You find that and I'll give you that quiz. That'll be fun. There's no way that exists. <laughs> That's very inappropriate. I'll come up with it. I'll come up with it. We, we watched Happy Gilmore last week, like the fight scene with Bob Barker. That's the way we, Bible or Adam Sandler movie. All right, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, something that you alluded to a little bit ago uh, and something that I think connects very deeply to us as pastors is, um, you know what? Actually, here's how we're going to do this. I don't want to spoil it for people. I'm going to play a little audio. I just want people to hear this story and then you and I are going to talk about it. In Kyoto, Buddhists visiting Kodaiji Temple are learning the teachings of Buddha from a humanoid deity named Mindar. It was born from a one million collaboration between Kodaiji Temple and Osaka University in 2019. Their goal is to enhance spiritual experiences and revive interest in Buddhism. The design of the humanoid seeks to bridge the gap between the spiritual world and the physical world. Mindar makes eye contact with worshippers and imitates human-like dialogue with hand gestures. Mindar also provides lucid explanations of Buddha's sermons. use is becoming common in daily life in Japan, which produces 45% of the global robot supply. Okay, Brian. So, um, I don't know if you caught that, but that's news of a robot deity preaching in a Japanese temple. So, um, Brian, I don't know if we're about to be replaced, but this is in a, a Buddhist temple in Japan. He is a humanoid deity 
And uh, his name is Mindar. He's a six foot, four inch, 132 pound preach. He uses charismatic hand gestures, has a piercing gaze, and delivers poignant sermons on Buddhist scriptures. And people are saying that they thought he was just a robot, but after they have sat under his teaching, they know he is a Buddha. Now, you and I have talked about robots a lot, I feel like, recently, or at least... Increasingly. At least AI, that there are people who want to marry their robots. There are more and more robots taking over. We've talked about how, like, we know how this story ends, y'all. Like, this is not not good. But um, this particular decision... To have a robot preaching in a temple. Now, they, as I was reading that article, they say that the hope was to bring more and more people sort of like a connect to a younger generation. And I can see the method behind that, right? And I know in Japan they're a little more open to the robots than we are. Uh, I think like <laughs> they're more. <laughs> but uh, I got some problems with it. Oh, oh, oh but I want to hear your thoughts first. Some of it's very innovative, and some of it I'm really freaked out by. I think your first problem is job security. That is what is <laughs> Well, listen, you. I said this to you off air. I got I to gotta say this. Like, we're still debating if women can be in the pulpit, but now we're putting <laughs> robots in the pulpit and not having a problem. Come on. Come on. Uh, Come on. I mean, I, I do think this you, – you alluded to it before that we've talked about robots, it feels – Increasingly, and I think that is speaking to the fact that AI and some of the stuff that's happening is moving so fast. It's moving fast. You know, everything from. So, yeah, like if you had told me a couple years ago there's going to be robot preachers, I would have said that is like. That is like in the 2300s or whatever. Like, we're way down. Totally. Now I hear this story, I'm like. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, yeah, that's kind of where we're going. Right, like, right. We're going to have, you know, our robot overlords are going to take over, and this <laughs> is yet another way. And so it does bring up, I think you and I have been very clear that we are not big fans of only online church right, or right. The, the meta church or whatever else, because there is an important embodiment. There is an important physical nature. And so I do not think... And nobody's really suggesting this, but I do not think we could take this so far as to be like, yeah, we don't need pastors anymore. We just need robots. Like, I <laughs> right, think right. there needs to be – I don't – here, here's what I would say, and maybe some AI people out there think I'm wrong about this. I don't think a robot can shepherd. And right, right, Maybe right. they can preach. Maybe you can load them in such a way that right. they can give charismatic messages. Right. But if, if we believe that pastors are primarily – um, shepherds and shepherds watch over the flock and protect and love and and teach and everything that I don't this feels like a bad move right it's the same yeah. reason I don't want it's the same reason if they got to the point of robot teachers in my kids schools I would be against that I totally. want something personal so totally uh, but aren't you worried there's coming a day where you and I are going to sound like the old people because oh. we're like, I don't want robots. And people are going to go, oh, <laughs> you're, you're anti-robot. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> well, and it feels like that day is coming sooner than I expected it to. Like, I I'm with know. you. Like, this was not, this was supposed to be like a hundred years from now, not like in our actual lifetime. Here's, here's another quote, Brian, from the article. They plan to implement AI so that Mindar, this is again, the, the preacher, the Buddhist preacher robot, he can 
can accumulate unlimited knowledge and speak autonomously. So right now he's being pre-programmed, obviously, with sermons, but they plan to, you know, have the robot create his own sermons. Apparently it's too far. It's too far. I think it does go. I think there's a couple a couple things that this lends itself to. One is just the nature of what you think a pastor preacher is. And that goes back to what you were saying, yeah. Brian, like a pastor's role is not only, and in, and in some cases not primarily to preach. That is certainly a deeply important part of the role, especially the way we have church set up here in the West. But I do think it, it minimizes, uh, it reduces the role just to preaching when when the reality is there is there is the shepherding there is the discipling there is the personal care like a robot is not going to go to the hospital and sit with you while your mom's dying you know and at the mm. end of the day too it also says that that sermons are a science and not an art i don't know how much room there is for the holy spirit there i'm not saying the holy spirit isn't bigger than technology but if there's a pre-programmed sermon like is the holy spirit moving in that like i think there are very kind of interesting questions to ask certainly about about the role of the pastor and how this fits but i i also think ultimately like you said there's just not there's just not a replacement for flesh and blood. And this might be innovative and interesting. And I mean, I might even want to go see this thing in action, you know, like a, almost yeah. like a Disney animatronic, like, Oh, that's so cool. But at the end of the I day, was just thinking like... of, I was just thinking of Chuck E. Cheese and those, yeah, right, uh, and those right, right. like that sort of sense. I do believe that. Um, so I, I actually had coffee with the other day with somebody who had visited our church, who is like brilliant doing postdoctorate work focused on AI stuff. Yeah. And he was telling me, I, he lost me very quickly on what it is, but Let's hear. he was very clear, like AI is being made in such a way, like you just said, where they are like creating, not just being loaded with stuff. And that is scary. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, that, that freaks me out. It does. It does. And I do think this, this also gets to the same conversation you and I, Aubrey, Aubrey have, and I, you and I have had about, um, you we've read of big churches where they've used holograms right. to preach. Right. And, that and uh, that the nature... concert we talked about recently, the, the yes. all virtual concert. Yeah. Or just the nature of online church. Mm-hmm. I do think we have to re um, discover the role of the pastor. The pastor is more than the church mouthpiece yeah. sharing an inspirational yeah. message every week. That's it. That's part of it. Yeah. But it's shepherding. You brought up sitting with somebody mm-hmm. in the hospital, sitting with somebody whose marriage is falling apart. Yeah. All of these things. That's really what it means to be a pastor. Right. We've turned it so much into you preach, you preach, you lead, you lead. And those are huge parts of the job. But it is not all that the job is. Mm. And a robot, in my opinion, is never going to replace Yeah, that. never, never going to. Well, interesting stuff. I guess we'll have more and more stories like this as we go. Brian, one of the things we like relevant magazine and we like relevant yes. because they are good with we've talked about like christian pickup lines that relevant uh has uh written about before that was a fun one that was a good a christian that bumper a stickers yes, so yes, they, yes. they do a good job of kind of like stepping back from christian culture and laughing at like helping us laugh about it a little bit 
Um, so they have another one that I I think is actually really funny, but also like a little sad. Like I think there's some lesson to learn from it. But I wanted to talk about it. Bizarre Christian culture wars that time forgot. Okay. <laughs> and I like uh, it. before we dive into this, how would you define a Christian culture war? Oh, that's a great question. It's those things in culture that that Christians get all worked up about. Yeah, that's so a good we're going to boycott do it. this. Or we're mm-hmm. going to, and so you could make an argument that there that there something like abortion is a culture war, and I would suggest that if it is a culture war, it's a war worth fighting. Yeah. So not all quote I'm using air quotes, which are bad for the radio. <laughs> not all quote unquote culture wars are bad, but sometimes we get worked up about things that then, when we look back, seem kind of silly. Like yeah. Um, Maybe they're going to mention this in here. I don't know. I haven't read through it yet, but it's like, think about at Christmas time, how worked up people get when some Starbucks or something yes. only says happy holidays. Yeah, yeah. Instead they, of they Merry do Christmas. talk about that. They talk about Harry Potter as an example as well. Okay. I, I okay. feel like growing up. So those would be, those would be culture wars. Those are culture wars. Growing up, this was, my family was not, I don't know why. I think maybe because we didn't get into Christian culture, like till a little bit later, but Kevin always told me his parents were very anti Smurfs. Like he wasn't allowed to have like Smurf sheets I've and stuff it. on I've... his bed. I now that you say that I had a buddy of mine whose parents did not let them watch the Smurfs because it was thought to be satanic. Satanic, right? These little I believe I, so. Yeah, I think it's because of the name Azriel and Gargamel or something like that. And they were doing spells all the time. Mm-hmm. And there was also yeah. some conspiracy theories. You could go on a YouTube deep dive about um, uh, about the Smurfs and and the satanic nature of them. So maybe maybe that's what got all of us. Maybe it was the Smurfs. It was the Smurfs. Okay, so here are some of the ones that they mention. Okay, they they actually bring up the sun. They says one of the oldest culture wars in church history took place in 1633 when the Catholic Church condemned Galileo for daring to teach that it was the sun, not the earth, that was at the universe center. Yeah, so it's kind of funny to think about. It's a culture war. <laughs> yeah, culture war right there. Us against the sun. Uh, the next one. This one might not surprise you, but I do think times have changed here a little bit. Playing cards. Playing cards first arrived in Europe in the late 1300s. The church banned them instantly, though, with little success. Uh, Apparently, um, Christian leaders at the time figured it was best if people just stayed away from cards altogether rather than tempt fate with even the most innocent of games. Um, Yeah, you've always heard that. You've always heard card games. Um, Yeah. That one was was never one that that I really knew about. So that's always bizarre. But yeah. Uh, you can't you good Christians don't play cards yeah. or don't play dominoes because they're like games yeah. of chance or right, something. Right, right. I the funny thing is this is maybe an extension of cards, and I don't know if this will come up later or not, but I remember like I've got some Christian colleagues now who will play or their kids will play Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And that was like a thing growing up that it was like, no, 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 no. You did no. not play gun Dungeons and Dragons. Like that was like That's right. evil That's right. and evil and satanic in fact it was funny that uh the latest season of stranger things kind of nodded to that like fear that christians had of dungeons and dragons but anyway okay the next one the next one they say is the beatles christians had opposed rock and roll pretty much since its inception objecting to elvis presley's thrusting hips and rollicking vibrato but their ire reached a whole new level with the beatles partly because lennon has that very famous quote where he said that the beatles had become more popular than jesus so of course christians were not not happy about that 
Um, Okay, we're getting more into our lifetime now, Brian. Here's one that might surprise you. Pokemon. Christians Mm. went crazy over Pokemon. Now, here's something really funny about this. I my kids were really into Pokemon a few years ago, and I can remember talking to some of my Pentecostal friends and they were like, no, 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 no. You do not let your kids play Pokemon. And I was like, what? But apparently the terror of Pokemon got so intense that the Vatican got involved. And uh, in 2000, the Pope investigated the game. He ultimately deemed it harmless fun. He gave the little guys his full blessing. But Christians did not like Pokemon, partly because um, the characters uh, evolved. So like there's some evolutionary Uh, things in it. And, you know, they had power and things like that. Okay, I don't remember this one, Brian. You're going to have to tell me if you do. PetSmart. In the mid-90s. Okay, I don't remember this either. But apparently this is sort of going back to what you said about um, Starbucks. In the mid-90s, an issue that proved enormously popular with many Christians was getting angry at companies that opted for Happy Holidays or Seasons Greetings instead of Merry Christmas. The idea of such companies were capitulating to some sort of atheist project by being too scared of what we would now say the woke libs then we would say the peace the pc police back then nice. but apparently PetSmart was one of those um organizations so PetSmart, i never I like knew PetSmart. never knew that one okay like let's see if this i didn't know this one either nestle did you know that one really nestle chocolate like the chocolate Yeah, yeah. Apparently, in the late 1970s, Nestle was accused of using duplicitous and misleading marketing of its infant formula to young mothers in developing nations. And some physicians suspect that misuse of that formula led to death of a million babies every year. So this maybe was a good one. Christians in America got wind of this controversy, ended up leading a huge and diverse boycott of Nestle's boycotts. So in that sense, we did a good job. Yeah, that feels like a... A different one yeah. than the other ones. Yeah. That that feels. You know what I think of culture wars. The bigger ones that I think of are like uh, there was a time where Christians didn't go to movies. Yes, or dance. No at, dancing. At yeah. You and I went to a college that mm-hmm. strictly forbid us from dancing. Yeah. Um, or you know, and, and it's weird when you look back at a, a big one. And I think these conversations happen with a lot of Christians, maybe the generation above us versus I feel like our generation broke through this yeah. one. And that's that's drinking. Oh, like having a glass right. of wine right. or having a beer. I don't know. I don't know what you were like. I mean, you're from the South, but my church growing up. Yeah. Uh, you were not going to a church gathering and there was going to be wine there. Oh, no, no, no. Be- definitely not. Yeah. That's not happening. And so what becomes interesting is it still feels like there's residual with these, right? Like you still have people who look sideways at you if as a pastor you drink or you say that you went to a certain movie Uh or whatever. So uh uh, apparently I have to add Pokemon to that list. I I feel like another recent one was Game of Thrones. Like, remember, there were like a lot of Christian leaders speaking out about that. So we like we have this tendency in us. Okay, so what's the what's the lesson, Brian? I think the lesson is one like we don't need to be so quick to make something a culture war that doesn't need to be, but I think the other lesson like with this Nestle example is there are times like when we know the facts, when we know that people are actually yes. being harmed, not like pretend harm, but real harm, we can do something about it. And so this is a good 
I guess this is a good life lesson. Let's not jump into this culture war, like use that muscle right away without getting the information. But when we know something's wrong, we can stand up against it. Yep, but but make sure you're majoring on the majors, right? Majoring like, on the majors, that's good. Ask yourself if you're looking down on someone or you're like, no Christian should do X, ask yourself where you're getting mm. that from. Because it might be legitimate, yeah. right? Like yeah. it might be legitimate. We're not saying there are no culture wars to right. be fought. Right. But ask yourself, why am I boycotting Starbucks right now right. at Christmas time? Yeah, or what is why, this about? Yeah. Why am I considering boycotting? Disney has always been a big mm. one, right? Disney's. Yep. Why would I be doing that? And and if you feel strongly enough, then go ahead with it. But don't just kind of get caught up in the tide uh, of yes. the next great protest. Yes. Oh, that's such a good word. It is the end of today's show. At the end of every show, we like to bring you something inspiring or challenging or something to put a smile on your face. And I think there is someone very inspiring, Brian, that I, I, uh, well, I'll ask you, you know, the name Max Lucado, I'm assuming, or Max Lucado. Yeah. Are you a fan? I am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we always have to preface by saying, uh, and I'm not saying this for any particular reason about Max Lucado. Yeah. Uh, it is like Lucado, Lucado, tomato, tomato. Right, like totally. What, what is it? We don't want to deify yes. uh, authors, speakers, the Max Lucados, yeah. the Tim Kellers. But right. we we want to respect and go, okay, yeah, I do respect. So I've enjoyed reading his books. I probably re- – I haven't read a Lucado book in a long time. But yeah. there was a season I read a lot of them. Yeah. What's so amazing about Grace? Mm. And I think he wrote one about prayer. That was great. Uh, but has a great track record of ministry. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, gosh, it feels like the world we live in that we need to like preface I know, a little I was bit. Just like, I'm just thinking that how kind of sad skeletons. that is. I know. It's, right, right. Uh, it's so true, though. But, you, you have to say that this day and age. But anyway, go ahead. I'm pro Max Lucado. Yeah. That's where I'm going to end that. I'm, I'm pro Max Lucado. Yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he's got a lot of great writing out there. And he wrote something about the empathy of Jesus, Brian. This was at Relevant Magazine. And I, I, I just want to actually, if you don't mind, I'm going to actually just read you the first part, share that with you, and then we'll have a conversation about it. Because the Go way he it. sets this up, I can't do justice unless I just share his words. But he says, are you thirsty today? Something you are longing for, but don't know what? I'd love to share God's promise through a wine-soaked sponge. And then he goes on, John 19, 28 through 30 says, later, knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then uh, Lucado goes on to say, this is the final act of Jesus's life in the concluding measure of his earthly composition. We hear the sounds of a thirsty man, Jesus lips cracked and mouth of cotton throat. So dry. He can't swallow voice. So hoarse. He can barely speak. He is thirsty. Why doesn't he do something about it? Couldn't he? Did he not cause jugs of water to be jugs of wine? Did he not make a wall out of the Jordan River and two walls out of the Red mm. Sea? Didn't he, with one word, banish the rain and calm the waves? Doesn't scripture say that he turned the desert into pools and the hard rock into springs? Did God not say, I will pour water on him who is thirsty? If so, why does Jesus endure thirst? While we are asking this question, add a few more. Why did he grow weary in Samaria, disturbed in Nazareth, and angry in the temple? Why was he sleepy in the boat on the Sea of Galilee? 
Uh, why was he sad at the tomb of Lazarus and hungry in the wilderness? Why? And why did he grow thirsty on the cross? He didn't have to suffer thirst, at least not to the level he did. Six hours earlier, he'd been offered drink, but he refused it. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the school. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes. They cast lots to see what each one would get. Before the nail was pounded, a drink was offered. Mark said the wine was mixed with myrrh. Matthew described it as wine mixed with gall. Both myrrh and gall contained sedative properties that numbed the senses, but Jesus refused them. He refused to be stupefied by the drugs, opting instead to feel the full force of his suffering. Why? Why did he endure all these things? And here's what I want to talk about. Max Lucado says mm. this, because he knew you would feel them too. Mm. Ugh, and he talks about how Jesus knew we would be weary and disturbed and angry. We'd be sleepy, grief stricken and hungry. He knew we would face pain, if not thirst for water, at least thirst for trust. And the truth we glean from the image of a thirsty Christ is that he understands. You know, I, mm. I love that. I love that image, Brian, because I do feel like we talk a lot about how Jesus knows everything. Jesus went through everything we went through as a human. And so he knows what it feels like to suffer. He knows what it feels like when we're in pain. He know, you know, like we say that, but I think to add this detail to it, to talk about the image of a thirsty Jesus, yeah. there's something, I don't know, just deeply powerful thinking, wow, I, I guess I didn't even realize that Jesus would have eschewed a sense of like not feeling the pain that he felt, not feeling yeah, the thirst yeah. that he felt for us. There's something so powerful, don't you think? Yeah, and one reason I think it's powerful is because while we give lip service to the humanity of Jesus, I don't think deep down we often believe yeah. that he felt like we yeah. feel or that, yeah. that, that the humanity came with repercussions mm. of thirst, of disappointment, of uh, sorrow, of laughter, of all of these yeah. things. And I, I think Lucado, like he does so beautifully, is is onto something here saying Jesus did these because he understands what you go through because yeah. he knew that you were going to be disappointed. You were going to be thirsty. You were going to be hurting and that he promises to be with you in your pain. I think, man, the the uh, that sort of empathy, that sort of I'm in this with you mm -hmm. presence of God mm -hmm. through the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our uh, God saying I'm near to the broken hearted. Yeah. Like, I do think we all struggle with, especially in difficult times, is God distant? Totally. From right. Does he care? Right. And I think Lucado does a great job here reminding us that, like, in the life of Christ, in in physical embodiment, mm -hmm. we see uh, he understands. Yes. He, he understands. He is with us. Yeah. He knows. He, he chose to do this for us. I think there's something, too, Brian. I... I I think I've, I've said this before um, about people that we've talked about in the show. I, I personally, this is just a personal thing. I tend to trust people who have been through pain and heartache and have endured more than mm. someone who's just lived sort of a, um, a charmed life. Like I, there is some, there is some authority. There's some grit. There's some trustworthiness yes. that comes yes. when you've seen a person experience loss right but you know that that just adds like a depth to their character and then especially when they've experienced loss but stayed faithful that just yes. adds a whole level of like oh you've got 
you've got authority. You've got you've yep. earned something that makes you a trustworthy, worthwhile person of wisdom. And I think yeah, that's because you're enough- speaking from. Yeah. yeah, go go ahead. I was going to say because you're speaking from from experience. Mm-hmm. You've got skin in the game. That's you've it. You've got. Um, and, and, you know, it's weird to speak of Jesus that way, but to say Jesus, he felt, he laughed, he cried, he hurt. I think it brings a depth to his humanity Mm -hmm. where often I think we just give lip service to his, oh yeah, he was a man, but he really kind of floated five feet off the ground. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lucado reminds us that he knows what you're going through. Yeah. He knows what you're going through and that you can trust him because he has suffered so deeply in every way we have, but has overcome. Let let me share with you how Lucado ends this. He says, why did the throat of heaven grow raw? So we would know that he understands. So all who struggle would hear his invitation. You can trust me. Don't we need someone to trust? And don't we need someone to trust who is bigger than we are? Aren't we tired of trusting the people of this earth for understanding? Aren't we weary of trusting the things of this earth for strength? A drowning sailor doesn't call on another drowning sailor for help. A prisoner doesn't beg another prisoner to set him free. A pauper knows better than to beg from another pauper. He knows he needs someone who is stronger than he. Jesus's message through the wine-soaked sponge is this. I am that person. Trust me. Hopefully that Mm. encourages you on this Thursday evening. If you're going through something difficult, you can trust Jesus because he has been there. He has thirsted and has, uh, is because of that, the answer for your thirst as well. And Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from four to 6 PM for Brian Fromm. I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to the common good on AM 1160 hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.